If you're addicted to love, get ready to binge your heart out on Discovery Plus. Stream exclusive originals or classics like The Bachelor. Plus, you can explore the entire 90-day universe, from the original series to new favorites like The Single Life. With Discovery Plus, you can get all the yeses, all the dresses, and all the hot messes for just $4.99. Discovery Plus is the streaming home of relationships, plus so much more. Start your free trial today. Welcome to How We Win. All over the country, people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now. The best antidote to anxiety is action. We've won some battles, but we still have more work to do. The work of a citizen never does end as we all work towards a more perfect union. You know our guests today from the big screen, the small screen, your favorite podcast platform, Supreme Court confirmation (laughs) hearings, the Women's March. She's everywhere speaking up and speaking out. We're going to hear from Alyssa Milano. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And this this is How how we We Win. So much good stuff coming up in our conversation with Alyssa Milano, yeah, including some some great anecdotes about Joe Biden. I loved hearing those. Yeah, stay tuned. She's got some good Biden stories. Yeah, among many, many, many other stories. She's had such a cool career as an activist. Yeah. So I can't wait for people to hear that. Boy, we've we've had quite the week. I think Trump has now officially lost the election seven more times, eight more times. Remember when he said there was going to be so much winning? <laughs> That's right. There's so we much flipped losing. flipped the script on him. There's so much losing. Six key states have certified their election results with Joe Biden being the winner. Trump keeps losing in court. Even his own lapdog, mm-hmm. Attorney General Bill Barr, is like, my dude, you're done. <laughs> Bill Barr came out and made a statement, said that the Justice Department had found no instances of fraud that would overturn the results of the election. Once again, Bill Barr, American hero. No, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to give him that. No. He's already done the damage. Um, the horses are out of the barn, but I guess at least he's not burning the barn down. I don't know. To mix a whole lot of metaphors there. Yeah. Garbage person, Bill Barr, needs to go. I can't wait for him to get out of the government. Um, and then, uh, of course, there was a, a response from <laughs> from Trump's lawyer. There's a big air quotes. Lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, um, saying Bill Barr doesn't know about all of the evidence that he has um, of the massive fraud. So Giuliani's doubled down because maybe he's looking for something from from old Trump. So let's talk about Giuliani for a second, who went from being America's mayor to like head grifter in charge. So so, uh, reportedly, um, Rudy Giuliani has asked Trump for a a preemptive pardon. (laughs) For what? (laughs) We don't know. He knows. He knows for what. We might not know. (laughs) 
he's clearly done something awful that he's he's nervous um he's nervous about yeah. we know that he's had some shady ukraine things going on yeah and there's but we don't an know investigation on that going on right now for. yeah but he's like you're you're handing out pardons i might as well get i might as well just just go ahead and give me one <laughs> they'll they'll find out later what it's for no word on if trump is gonna acquiesce <sighs> Well, yeah, Trump's going to go on a, a pardoning spree and will certainly try to pardon himself, too. Uh, I mean, that's... Do you think so? Oh, yeah, because he tries all this all this shit. You know, he's... Every time you think, well, no, that's going to be too far, he'll try it. He'll try it. It won't, it won't have any standing, but he's going to try to do that. Well, he's got some things to hide, too. Like the one, pee-pee tape. One more... <laughs> <laughs> What? No. He <laughs> still wants to hide you know, that pee-pee tape. I, 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 you know, out of all of the things, out of all of the things over the years, that one, <laughs> I, I never bought. I never bought that. Um, I do, the one, one final thing about him losing, losing the election so badly and trying to undermine our democracy on his, on his way out the door is that um, Republicans in Georgia are, are getting nervous about this. Like they're worried that yeah. people might actually believe Trump that like Georgia's election system is fraudulent and they won't show up to vote in the special election next month. Yeah, it's it's almost like Trump's going to screw up the Georgia election too. I hope he does. I hope this works. Like all you Georgia Republicans who don't trust the election results and want to boycott the election, please do. Please boycott it. I really want to win those two Senate seats. That'd be swell. Well, we want those Senate seats. I don't want to be cynical or undermine the election further because I know a lot of Georgia Republicans are listening to me right now. But um, it could be an opportunity for us to turn out the people who do believe in the security of the election. Isn't it ironic that Trump works so hard trying to suppress uh, the vote? And ends up suppressing Republican votes. Anyway, I, I honestly I think that's not that likely to happen. I think we need to organize um, and support all the organizations in Georgia that have been doing this work, and, and make sure we get every single voter registered that we can. Write every letter, make every phone call. You know, I'm not waiting for Republicans to not show up for this election, but you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, Steve, what's your reason for hope this week? So my reason for hope right now is Georgia. I'm actually going to be hopeful about that. I, I'm not sure exactly by the time this podcast drops uh, where that number will be, but Stacey Abrams keeps tweeting out the ballot requests in Georgia. And um, as of last checking was over 900,000 ballots have been requested in Georgia. And for the upcoming election? For the upcoming election, yes. Amazing. These are mail-in ballots? Yes, those are mail-in ballot requests. That's awesome. So that's really exciting. They know how to organize around that. Uh, let's keep supporting them. Mm -hmm. Something to be very hopeful for. What about you? My reason for hope today is, um, I think I've talked about this before because it, it happens all the time, uh, <laughs> Facebook sharing um, like a um, remember this moment from two years ago. Uh, um, yes. So t 
today it showed me pictures from a post-election victory party after the midterms, <laughs> like a end of year slash slash victory party mm-hmm. um, that I helped organize. Um, and everybody looked so happy in the pictures and it was great to have that reminder of the incredible work we did to flip the house in 2018 and another great reminder that if we want to hold on to the house in 2022, we got to get all those happy people back together and keep the work going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you shared that as a reason for hope, and it is because it shows what we can do together. Um, and mm-hmm. sadly, we lost some of those seats that we gained um, in this last election. A, a lot of people. Which hat, like, that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Um, you know, all the best to all the organizers and um, and everyone who ran for office and uh, who fell short. You know who lost a congressional race? And then won a Senate race and then became president? Hmm. Barack Obama. Yeah. That's right. He sure did. Yep. His first race was a congressional race, not unlike John Ossoff. He lost that one, not unlike John Ossoff. Then he ran for Senate and he won, hopefully like John Ossoff. Then he became president. I don't know. I don't have any opinions about John Ossoff becoming president, but... <laughs> the point is, we'll talk to him about it one day. <laughs> yeah, we will. We'll we will talk to him about that. Anyway, so that's that's reason for hope and uh, and bittersweet because we uh, we have some friends, both of us, who have worked very hard and fell short in this election. But um, hats off to them for all their great work, and we know that they're going to stick around to keep organizing um, this coming year and in twenty twenty two. Mm-hmm. It's always even sweeter when when somebody com- makes a comeback and and keeps running and and wins again, which we see all all the time because that's just part of it. But we want to we want to try to o- avoid it hurts, so we want to try to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> winning's better. Years. You know, winning is not better. You learn and get stronger when you fall short, but winning's better. Yeah. Um. So speaking of winning, speaking of Georgia. Our to-do list, your call to action is going to be Georgia-related from now through the holidays until Georgia happens. Excited about our letter-writing party tonight with the Gaslit Nation with Sarah Kinzier and Andrea Chalupa from Gaslit Nation. Uh, That's going to be a really fun one. We'll have a link to that on our uh, swingleft.org slash podcast page. So if you haven't Mm -hmm. yet— Still time to sign up for it. Still time to sign up for that. And then, of course, we'll also have our Swing Left Flip Georgia page link on there, too. Or you can just go to swingleft.org. It's right on the front page there. And sign up to do some phone banking um, and uh, help support these organizations. Awesome. In the meantime, you know who has some great advice about these races in Georgia? You do. Our guest, Alyssa. Oh, also, Alyssa does also. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You messed up my segue. (laughs) For comedic effect. Uh, Let's let's take a listen to her interview. (laughs) 
Today's guest needs very little introduction. Alyssa Milano is an actress, activist, and host of her own podcast, Sorry Not Sorry. Alyssa, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks for having me. So as an activist, you're probably best known for relaunching the Me Too movement in 2017, but you've been involved in so much advocacy and activism for organizations and causes for so long. What first propelled you into action? Um, you know, I was this this little girl who was w- working on a television show, and that was really weird for me. <laughs> um, I was never really comfortable. Of course, I'm talking about when I was on the Who's the Boss, but I was never really comfortable um, with the the blessings that I had been given, and I often wondered, like, what am I doing, and and what does this mean? And uh, there was a moment that changed my life, which was uh, I got this phone call from from Elton John, just to give you a little idea Mm -hmm. of how utterly absurd my life was. (laughs) And he said that he had a friend uh, who was a little boy named Ryan White, who had HIV AIDS and asked Mm -hmm. if uh, I would meet him, if I would meet Ryan. And of course, I said yes. And Ryan and I became friends. And I felt this incredible connection to him, uh, I think, because he he was different, too. Um, and he it was right about the time that he had been uh, fighting for his right to go back to school. Uh, he was um, told that he couldn't go to school because uh, the, the school board was afraid that he would give HIV AIDS to mm. the other students. Um, mm. And of course, this was in the 80s, which was right around the time um, where where everyone was sort of tapping into our greatest fear uh, and fears, much like, we, you know, we do now with, with certain uh, issues that should not be political, mm-hmm. but somehow we, you know, make them political. Right. And um, he he got fought for the right to go back to school. He won. He spoke in front of Congress. Uh, but there was this still this huge stigma um, surrounding HIV AIDS. And he had asked me uh, if I would go on television and kiss him to prove that you couldn't get HIV AIDS from casual contact. And I did. I went on the Phil Donahue show. That mm-hmm. tells you how long ago this was. <laughs> Phil. Um, and I realized in that moment after kissing him why I, you know, was given these these blessings that made no sense mm. before that. And I understood what it meant to, you know, now we call it a platform. Um, yeah. But I understood what it meant to, to have a platform and how... I was able to really um, reshape narratives. And so uh, my life has found incredible fulfillment in advocacy work. Um, And so, yeah, I've been at this for about 30 years. It didn't become political until 2000 when Gore had the election uh, mm-hmm. stolen from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also in 2000, <laughs> I lived in South Africa for three months, you know, only nine years after apartheid was abolished and uh, got very caught up in the um, social struggle that that they were facing. And then in 2003, I became a UNICEF ambassador and I've been 
you know, so lucky to travel the world on behalf of fighting for children's rights to have um, safe, healthy childhoods, free of, of dying from uh, preventable disease. And so, yeah, I don't really know a life outside of of mm-hmm. of this and i think that's why it makes it so much easier for me um to sort of deal with trolls or people mm. that give me a hard time um because this is just who i am it's part of who i am and people that have a problem with that uh with my activism basically have a problem with me so mm. right. <laughs> i'm able to just go okay well sorry sorry you know, sorry, sorry, not, not sorry. sorry. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it sounds like you take it super personally, and that helps you kind of dig in and 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 get ready for the fight. Well, I take the work personally. I don't take yeah. the um, the trolling personally. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I allow that to roll off of me. Uh, pretty mm. easily and uh, it's something that I've talked to my therapist about because mm. I'm like am I a psychopath that, that doesn't <laughs> like what's what is it about he's like no you're just fighting for what you believe in and you're and you're resilient and so um you know I'm I'm very grateful that for that an important question to ask a therapist. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like what is it about me that doesn't allow this to get to me? You know, and and he thinks it's it's resilience and also just uh I I've I've seen really devastating things in my life um and uh you know, children so malnourished that uh they're on their last breaths um mm. and and things that have um, stayed with me for forever, and uh, I will not stop fighting for what I believe in. You know, so that part is personal. Well, we're really grateful for all of the incredible work you've been doing, and over the years. And you mentioned the word platform. You've you've been very effective using your platform. You've also been really successful engaging other influencers to use their voices and their reach. What were your expectations for that when you first started doing that? Started using like Twitter and 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 amplifying messages. Well, I mean, you know, like everyone else that started Twitter, I didn't r- really get it at first. I was like, what like do I just tell people I had cereal for breakfast? How is this even <laughs> a thing? And then this was right around the time when uh the protests in Iran were happening. And I stumbled upon some of the accounts that were of activists that were on the ground during the the uprising. And I finally got it. I was like, oh, this is what Twitter is. And I and I felt like I came to that realization before a lot of people did. Um, and I started just following accounts that were not celebrity accounts, right? I was I was I started to follow accounts that had a lot of followers but that weren't necessarily celebrities. And what I realized in the way in which they were using the platform was they were sort of curating information for mm. their followers and 
um, it almost gave a, a more insightful look inside who they were as people, you know, based on the articles that they would put out there. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to try to use it this way. And, you know, it was it was really an awakening as far as um, controlling your own content and being able to sort of shape a community of, of like-minded people um, and getting information uh, to people and my followers that educated them and empowered them to want to make the difference themselves. And so, you know, I basically have stayed true to that, you know, and I, and I take, I take the responsibility of it pretty seriously. And I think that that um, has built up a certain amount of trust that people have in in what I'm putting out there and um, how I'm able to, uh, you know, again, I, I just want to get people the, the information um, so that they can make a difference. Right. And um, that's the most important thing to me. And, you know, as far as reaching uh, other influencers, I think that there is a, a world on Twitter that is really, really important. And it is the world of the every person doing extraordinary things. Mm. And I think the backbone of the resistance movement was not or is not uh, people like me or, or Mark Ruffalo, but, you know, is the mom in Missouri that, you know, realized that she could make a difference in her community and uses her platform because I believe that everyone has a platform um, yeah. to to create change and to organize. And so, you know, it was important to me to be able to reach those those people and and give them the tools to reach their own communities because I feel like uh, everybody reaches a different demographic and it's important that we you know empower everyone um to use their platforms in a way that makes the world uh, a little better yeah we couldn't agree more that's actually how we start off our show is talking about uh, ordinary people doing extraordinary things <laughs> and so that's that's the point of our show is to showcase those voices and um all kinds of voices but putting that message out there and working with other influencers, we know uh, on political campaigns especially, it's really important to be consistent and unified when you're trying to um, you know, get a hashtag to trend or a message to get out there. As an actress and a producer, you make your living telling stories, right? Does that background give you some unique insights as to how candidates and campaigns can better communicate their stories to voters? It's a great question. Um I really believe that uh, art is such an important part of um, humanity in general and the way in which we tell stories and our, our storytellers can shape or reshape how we discuss things. And I think that part is incredibly important because if you think about it, there is very little in in this country that brings people under the same roof um, as mm. art does. Uh, mm. And you can look at uh, people from all walks of life, 
all backgrounds, whether they're religious backgrounds or cultural backgrounds. Um, and we pretty much will uh, sort of congregate into our own, right? And and it is very rare that we look outside of of that unless we are celebrating art or music or a museum or, you know, I think to me, no matter where you are in this country, you can find all walks of life under the same roof at the local theater. Right. Um, also movie theaters. So to me, I think storytelling is such an important part of of this. And I think um, artivists is is what I like to call them <laughs> right. uh, are, are are doing incredible work in uh, showing people uh, different ways to look at things that they might not normally feel. And it does art makes you feel things. So it's a lot, I think, a, a lot more effective than, um, you know, writing an op-ed or uh, hmm. anything like that. You know, when you look at the work that Manny and Patrizia has, have done with Change the Ref after their son, uh, Joaquin Oliver, was shot mm-hmm. in Parkland, and mm-hmm. the work that uh, Manny has done through his art, I think that that has changed uh, people's pers- perception of, um, you know, the gun violence uh, prevention community and what it feels like to go through that kind of pain uh, in mm-hmm. a way where it's not that he's just talking about it. He's actually making people feel something. Yeah. Um, so I think political campaigns should use art more <laughs> because it, it otherwise becomes so um, sterile and about... Uh, you know, and it's real hard to get people to care about um, the inner workings of of policy passing, right? Mm. But to get people to care about why it's important to pass policy is a lot easier and can be done through art. That is such a helpful and incredible synopsis of art artivism. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the latest platform that you're on, um, which is the podcasting platform. Um, so tell us about your podcast and, and the inspiration b- behind the perfect name, Sorry Not Sorry. Um, well, Sorry Not Sorry, the name uh, was... <laughs> My best friend of 25 years actually came up with that name. Mm. Um, And it was after I wrote the article about um, the Red Hats being um, the new White Hoods. Mm. Um, And Mm -hmm. I finished that article with the line, sorry, not sorry. Mm -hmm. And he had called me and he said, you know, and of course we were looking for names, which is the hardest thing to do. But he had called me and he said... (laughs) Your article was really brave, and I feel like your podcast should be Sorry Not Sorry, because the things that you say uh, should get you into a lot of trouble, and yet somehow <laughs> it, it you know, I'm, I'm able to uh, overcome whatever trouble I get into. Um, so that's sort good, of the— It's good trouble, right? Yeah, it's good, good trouble. trouble. So that's yeah. kind of the, the conception of the, the name. And the podcast is really, uh, you know, highlighting incredible— um, 
grassroots activists and advocacy groups, authors uh, doing amazing things to to change the world. And so it has been, I think, so incredibly rewarding. It's it's one of my most favorite things to do in my life right now. And I think because, you know, with any of these social media platforms, you're really just trying to take a snapshot of an issue and how you feel about it. Right. But mm-hmm. it, it, it lacks nuance. And I think nuance is really important because not every issue is black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of gray. There is a lot of gray um, in a lot of, of the issues um, and in this work that we do. And so, uh, you know, to have an hour to dip into these topics and these issues and find the nuance and talk about it and sort of take a breath and let there be silence, I think, is so hmm. important for thought, uh, for critical thinking, for making people um, aware of maybe a different perspective or uh, giving people uh, an opportunity to feel empathy and compassion for people that they might not normally have empathy and compassion for. Um hmm. But yeah, it's been it's been an incredibly rewarding uh, experience that I enjoy doing and will continue doing it as for as long as mm-hmm. I still have people listening. And it is such yeah. a it, it's such an I think important companion piece to the work that I do because it becomes a timestamp, really, mm-hmm. not only of where we are uh, as a nation or politically or or socially. Um, but also where I am in my life and yeah. what stories um, of this time of my life that my, my children can listen to, uh, mm. you know, years from now and um, hopefully be, be, be proud of. And so I love it. I mean, you guys know it's the greatest. Yeah. Yeah, I love it too. It's, it's so a funny. Lot of fun, yeah. You, you talk about the timestamp. Um, last week we had our first repeat guest on, Anat Shankar Osario. I, I don't know if you. Have, I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, <laughs> she is absolutely She's incredible. Awesome. And we did our first interview with her back in January, and I went back to listen to it before, <laughs> before the new interview. And we were so great. We were so like ex- excited about 2020, and it was the first episode of the new year. And um, talk about a timestamp! <laughs> you know, that was yeah. Uh, I well, feel like exactly, and just the difference between like you know where we were um, then and and where we are now. Right. In, you know, December 2020. It's 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 pretty horrifying. So your first uh, yeah. guest was now President-elect Joe Biden. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I had Toronto Burke and Joe Biden on the same episode. And it um, <laughs> it was before he even... Actually, I interviewed him before he decided to run. Uh. And then it dropped right as we were premiering, which was very lucky. That's a nice. <laughs> what a way to start a podcast. Yes, like, we were great very guests, lucky. Great timing. Yeah, I turned on I turned on MSNBC the day that we dropped, and they were using his audio because it was one of the first interviews he did. They were using his his 
audio, you know, and on the bottom of it, it was like on Alyssa Milano's Sorry Not Sorry podcast. And I was like, oh, oh. There you go. <laughs> I, was so, I was so excited. Um, but yeah, he was gracious enough to give me uh, that time. Uh, we've had a lot of um, tough conversations. Uh, now President-elect Biden and I. <laughs> and uh, he is a uh, an extraordinary person. Um, one that is, uh, you know, we hear a lot about his kindness and his empathy, um, but also his ability to, you know, heal his own heart um, has been really extraordinary. And, and I think I'm so hopeful that that's what he'll be able to um, bring to, to the country as, as our next president. God knows we need it. Yeah. Yeah. He seems, you know, I've never met him, but he seems like a person who is easy to have a difficult conversation with, meaning unlike the current yeah, occupant of he, the White House, he's not going to attack you. He is. He, this is what he understands. Um, and I think it's an important thing. He understands that the personal is political and that the political is personal. And for him, it is truly not about power. It is about leadership through service. And what that means to him is, is listening and um, growth. And, um, you know, when he came out and said that he was against overturning, overturning the Hyde Amendment, I had a really tough conversation with him, which was, this is, first of all, this is going to hurt your campaign, but also this is going to hurt so many women mm -hmm. um, across this country. And the right to uh, access to a safe and legal abortion um, and, you know, should not depend on their zip code. And so he listened and he got a lot of information from his advisors, which, you know, he has an incredible team and we're seeing them all fall into place in his administration. Mm -hmm. And um, and the next thing I knew, he was, you know, publicly I was at an event uh, and he was speaking. It was an event in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And he went back on what he had said previously and said that he is he was for over after listening to to women, he he would mm. agree to that. And that just kind of sums up Joe um, and and also the complexity of of him is that he is a very um, he's a man of faith. He's a very Catholic man. So for for him. Uh, you know, he represents a big port, a portion of this country that isn't sure where uh, women's reproductive health fits into the church. Hmm. And I think that's an honest conversation to have, you know, and he was um, really spectacular. Also, my other second favorite Joe story is uh, uh, last year I was um, in the mountains with my family for my birthday my birthday six days before Christmas and the phone rang and it was a DC number and I was like well, who, who's calling me and I picked up the phone 
And it was Joe Biden <laughs> who, um, who, you know, was calling me for my birthday, which would have been cool enough. Yeah. But it was cool. what he was doing while he was calling me, which was he was traveling. Uh, he picked up his granddaughter from college at her college and they were driving to Delaware together, just the two of them in wow. a car taking a road trip together. And (laughs) I was just like, this guy, come on, this is just the greatest (laughs) human ever. And it's, you know, it's things like that, that make him um, make me believe that he is truly um, the perfect, the perfect guy for the job for right now. And I think we should all uh, consider it such a blessing that, um, that he will spend the next four years of his life trying to uh, fix what Trump broke, uh, hopefully unifying the country. But uh, also, you know, this is why it is so crucial that we take those two seats in in Georgia, Mm -hmm. those two Senate seats, because, um, you know, the Republicans are are going to be obstructionists. We have no reason to believe that they wouldn't be. Um, and in order for Joe to not only fix what's been broken, but also to put forth progressive policy that gets passed uh, into law, uh, he needs the Senate. So, um, you know, I uh, and the other part of this, this that not a lot of people are talking about is usually after and who knows what's going to happen. Uh, but after the Democrats win the presidency, we usually lose a lot of seats in the House right. during the midterms. So really, if you think about it, we've got two years mm-hmm. um, with the House, hopefully the Senate and the presidency to not only fix what Trump broke, but to move the country forward. So, uh, Well, you're definitely a podcast host because you segued perfectly into our next question was uh, literally like you're reading <laughs> our show notes. <laughs> like, yeah. Get off of our show notes page. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Not sorry. Sorry. Uh, not sorry. <laughs> so, yes, we have these two crucial seats in Georgia coming up. Um, what are you working on right now uh, to help win those two seats? So here is how I'm thinking about uh, Georgia is they did a really great job uh, turning Georgia blue. So I feel the best work that I can do is to support the grassroots organizations that are on the ground um, that are mostly, you know, led by by BIPOC organizers and allow them the uh, the tools for their voter outreach because they did an incredible job. So, you know, people like ACLU of Georgia, uh, all voting is, is local, uh, Black Voters Matter, you know, organizations that you don't hear that that much about, uh, March on Georgia, Latino Community Fund of Georgia. Uh, there are so many. Uh, incredible, incredible organizations that are doing the the work that have been doing the work. And so my goal is to not only help amplify their work, but to lift up their work and allow them some support to uh, to continue, uh, you know, their successful programs, which they, you know, I, I don't think any of us can deny um, that the work they did in 
in the presidential election was really impactful and effective. Yeah. And for the last decades, too, building up that that organizing scaffolding there in Georgia. Exactly. I mean, Georgia has an incredible infrastructure, um, you know, obviously uh, with with Stacey Abrams and what she has been able to build in Georgia and do so in a way that is really um, changing the entire country. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we need to support, we need to support these organizations. We need to support, uh, the work that they're doing. Um, you know, and there are many of them and, and they deserve our attention and our support. So that is my plan. My plan, um, you know, it'd be different if I shot, I shot insatiable in Georgia for two years. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, I, when, when John Ossoff ran for Congress in Lucy McBath's district, this was before she, Lucy won, mm-hmm. uh, I drove people to the polls for John Ossoff. If I were, was in Georgia, you know, I'd probably be doing that, but I'm not, I'm here. So, um, you know, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I right. feel like the most important work I can do is to support these um, BIPOC-led voter outreach organizations. Um, incredible groups that you shouted out um, and just an important reminder to, to support organizers. You know, this has been such an awesome and hopeful conversation, but I still want to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests as we wrap up our um, our interviews, and that is, what gives you the most hope for our future looking ahead? Um, my kids. My kids. Because no matter what the issue is, they are somehow able to strip away the politics of it. Um, so that it isn't about a Republican or Democratic perspective. It's just about a human perspective. And um, the story I like to tell is um, when in 2017, when we were fighting for DACA, I went on a bus with a bunch of dreamers and uh, we knocked on all the Republican doors representatives doors in california there mm. there are there are a few um, <laughs> it was shocking yeah. um and you know i the night before i left i told i told my son what i was going to be doing he was let's see 2017 so he was six at the time mm-hmm. and so it was a really really hard day we were chased by uh counter protesters on the on the bus and we ended up in in a police station because we were terrified we were going to be run off the road and um i i walked into my home after this day and my son ran over to me and he gave me a hug and he put both his little chunky warm hands on my (laughs) cheeks and he said did you do it mom did the dreamers get to stay home Mm. and i thought yeah that's just it that's exactly what we're fighting for, that people, mm. that people get to stay home. And so they have this incredible, incredible ability of stripping away the politics that I hope they are able to keep that mm. um, and keep everything or the injustices they see um, non-political and, and see them as, as human problems that can be cured with love 
And so, yeah, my, my babies, my babies give me hope. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. And for everything that you do, but also for this great conversation. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you for the opportunity. so much for joining us and for stepping up to take action. This is how we win. We win when we all get and stay involved. We want to hear from you. Tweet to us at Steve and at Mariah underscore Craven or email us at podcast at swingleft.org. Alyssa Milano taught us how to use Twitter, so please do tweet to us. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Do share us on social media. Uh, check out our page at swingleft.org slash podcast. And once again, please sign up to volunteer. We really appreciate you being here with us, and we'll be back with more next Wednesday. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. For the true crime addicts, Discovery Plus has the largest library of true crime content ever. With thousands of shows to choose from, you can binge all of your favorites, plus new exclusive original series. Your investigation starts here. Discovery Plus is the streaming home of true crime, food, nature, paranormal, home, romance, plus so much more. And it's just $4.99. Start your free trial today. MSW.